And now the boys on the hills presents the official visit with Southern Commit, KJ White. Appreciate you for having me on. What's going on, KJ? Not much. How you doing today, man? Good. Just came back from working out. So, you know, just trying to get ready to go in the Southern. Get ready That's to what play. I'm talking about. So um, we have KJ here. He's a graduate of Westlake High School here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, KJ was the region player of the year, his junior year. Um, as a senior, he was second team all state, 6A. Um, KJ, give us a little bit more background about yourself, man. Um, I'm starting from the beginning. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I started playing baseball when I was three. Uh, I fell in love with it ever since. Of course, I played the other sports, baseball basketball football i played other sports but i, I just always thought with baseball it just i loved it more um growing up as a kid i always kind of wanted to play in the swag my dad played in the swag my mom went to jackson state uh graduated from Haven. my dad graduated from jackson state so like black baseball was always something i wanted to be a part of um and then when i was 12 years old i was fortunate to meet jerrell johnson who graduated from southern university um, okay and a, I've also met uh, Ricky Weeks, who's like an uncle to me, graduated from Southern University. So when I when I met those guys, they introduced me to the Southern culture and the people down there and legendary coach Roger Kador. And, you know, so um, I was always I always knew about how good Southern was in terms of baseball heritage wise. And then um, January of my January, January, January of my junior year. Um, coach Crenshaw got the interim head, head coach job and I had already been to the camps when I was 12 leading up to about 16. I had always gone to Jackson State camps because that's where my dad went. So, of course, alumni, you know, just wanted me to see the school and stuff like that. So I always knew the coach. Um, and when he got his first head coach job, actually, he was still the head coach. I mean, he was still the assistant coach at Jackson State. Um, he came to the HBCU showcase, which was at my high school at Westlake when I was in ninth grade. And ever since then, we always kept in contact. He said whenever he got a head coach job, that he will always come look for me. So, of course, I was still uncommitted. He came and seen me, he offered me, and from then on, I wanted to go to Southern, so. Okay, okay. So you, you kind of answered one of the questions that I was gonna ask you about how were you exposed to HBCU baseball? Yeah. Um, What do you think culturally drew you into HBCU baseball, besides the fact that your parents are HBCU grads, what about the HBCU baseball that kind of drew you in? Um, for me, I think it was just um, a lot of people feel like you got to go power five to get to the next level, which is the MLB or whatever. And I felt like, you know, the same amount of players that's good on the power five level, the same amount of players good on the SWAC and HBCU level, because a lot of the legendary players from old back in the day, they played in the SWAC or they played at the black schools. So for me, I think what drew me in is just uh, like we got into a trend where a lot of people weren't going to HBCU schools, but the people at these schools are talented too. And they, they often get forgot about and they're as good as these other people, but just because they don't go to the big name school per se, they're not as good. So I feel like I could bring notoriety back to HBCUs as Travis Hunter did with football and as people are doing with basketball. So that's my route. So let me ask you this. During your recruiting process, did you prioritize the HBCU schools over the group of five and P5 schools, or did you just kind of find the best, try to find the best fit for you? Well, for me, um, recruiting really picked up around 10th grade, um, but during my 6th grade year, COVID hit. So okay. I had to take a reality check and say, hey, 
am I going to be big enough, strong enough to go play Power 5 baseball? Because most of the guys, if you're going to Power 5 out of high school, if you're not really looking at pro out of high school, you're probably not going to play right away because it's already guys that are bigger, stronger, faster. Um, I'm not the biggest or the strongest or the fastest guy. So for me, when that COVID summer hit, I went in the lab and worked out really, really hard. But I lost contact with a bunch of those coaches because they had extra guys coming back and they were so worried about, you know, making sure their team was going to be good. They weren't worried about recruiting. So when I came to Southern, they never, ever tried to make me a different player or tried to make me a different man or change my position or, hey, you need to do this. They just let me be me from day one. So that's what drew me closer to the school. That's what made me want to go to Southern. Man, you just answered my other question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, when did you realize that you had the potential to potentially play baseball on the next level? Um, I would say it was a few moments. Um, I'll, talk, I'll start to the earliest moment. When I was 12, I got invited to the Elite Development Invitational, which is now called the Hank Aaron Invitational, which is like the best – I think 12, maybe not 12, but like 13 to 16-year-olds in the nation. They go down to Vero Beach, Jackie Robinson Complex, and they play against each other. Now, of course, I'm 12, so I'm still younger than everybody, smaller, shorter. Um, But it was only three of us down there at the same age that are both my best friends now. It was me, Tamar Johnson, who was about to go number one in the draft, and RJ Austin, who's going to Vanderbilt or might go in the draft. Um, We all played together growing up. So, of course, we always had the confidence that, hey, we're good enough at our age. But I didn't know if I was good enough to play against older kids. So okay. we went down there. Um, after a few days, I was just, you know, being me, having fun, playing the game the right way, but learning at the same time and taking those learning tips and learning them faster than everybody else. Everybody else might take them, like, two or three reps to get it. I'm getting it the very next rep. Well, when the end of that week came, they gave out an MVP award and out of – from 12 to 16, I was the one who won it. And I was the youngest kid there. So from there, I felt like, okay, I got a chance. And then whenever I would like, when I hit like eighth grade, I started playing against high schoolers early. Uh, of course, I was weaker than everybody. I wouldn't hit the ball at the ballpark, nothing like that. But I always competed. And people always loved that about me because I never ever like backed down or said, oh, y'all older than me. So y'all, y'all better than me. I always like played up and competed. So. From there, I was like, man, I'm playing against guys that's already in college. I know I'm good enough to play in college. Um, and then from there, um, I won player of the year, and I did some amazing stuff that year that I was like really opened my eyes. Like, okay, I got a chance in this game. And then this past fall, I went and played uh, the MVP All-American game against some of the best guys in the nation, Drew Jones, Elijah Green. They were all down there, and I went down there and held my own. So from there, I felt like, man, I got a chance to really take this game a long way if I just stay on my path, not worry about anybody else's. So we we know the baseball here in Atlanta is, like, very, very competitive from 12U all the way up. How do you think growing up out here in Atlanta in the baseball scene and also playing at Westlake, how do you think that prepared you to be a baseball player on the next level, to be a college baseball player? Well, luckily, I was fortunate enough to have coaches that told me to focus on development from a young age and not about winning because a lot of people focus on winning, but they forget about getting better at the game and just playing the game and have fun. So, of course, I I had coaches when I was younger that made me focus on, nah, instead of us winning the championship this weekend, I'm going to teach you how to hit from the left side. Or you going to play all nine positions. I didn't want to catch, but they made me catch. So it was just stuff like that um, that made me focus on development more than winning. And then, of course, when I got older, 
I can hear you. Me. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, me being me being um as talented as I was, because I was developing at a young age, it allowed me to um get to the higher level and just be ready to play and contribute to winning teams. So of course, my first year at Westlake, we had a draft pick, Miles Austin. He was at uh going to New Orleans this fall. We also had a lot of other guys that were contributing, but we didn't win as as much as we thought we should have. And then 10th grade, COVID came. But 11th grade, we made history and we won the region for the first time. And uh, I knew I could contribute to winning teams. So to go back to your question, I think the competitive thing in Atlanta is real. It's really real. Everybody wants to win. But at the same time, the people that are good, the people that are good individually, is because they didn't focus on development more than they focused on winning, which helped them win. Because when you're a good player, you're going to win games. I like that. I like that. Um, what was the experience like playing for your dad in high school? It was awesome, honestly. A lot of people felt like um, a lot of people didn't realize that was my dad at times because we kind of kept the sole coach and son on the field. Um, but on the field, he was coach off the field. He was dad. And a lot of times he didn't even like when I started driving, he barely seen me besides at practice and on games. So it was a lot of it's a lot of just, hey. I'm here to just supervise the situation. You do what you want. I'm going to treat you like another player. He never treated me like I was his son on the field or he was never too hard on me or too soft. He treated me just like everybody else. But at the same time, though, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, if you're the coach's son, like he's just supposed to give everything to everybody else and kind of just forget about you. So, of course, at times he was trying to develop me too because, hey, he my coach. So, right. I mean, at the same time, he was working with me too, you know, and he's a big part of my development. He introduced me to this game. And even if nowadays, if I, no matter how many trainers I work out with, I always call that up. Hey, I need some BP. Hey, I need some ground balls. He's always right there. So from him being a coach standpoint, I mean, it was really fun. Um, just for him, I, I know for him, it was fun just for him to see me grow up as a man into a man going into a different world now. And, you know, just having his hands on me and being able to keep me humble. Yeah. That's what's up, man. That is, that's what's up. I, I like to see that. I like to yeah. see that. Do you have any superstitions that you may have during games or practice or? Um, I wouldn't really necessarily say, well, I probably do have, I, I probably can't eat. If I'm about to go out in the sun, I can't eat. Um, <laughs> that's about it. But other than that, I think it's just, of course, don't step on the line stuff like that but for me i think it's just every time i step on the field i'm not out there just out there to be out there i'm out there with a purpose and i'm out there trying to prove that i'm the best player no matter who's on the field i feel you. um you know like like i told you earlier i'm i'm also an alum of hbcu baseball um sometimes i feel like i have to be you know we have to be gatekeepers for the game um, because a lot of people don't really know about the number of quality players that's come through baseball in the SWAC and MEAC, uh, HBCUs in general, um, because football is the king. Um, right. So what does it mean to you to be now one of those torchbearers for HBCU baseball? Um, honestly, it means the world to me because I know there's kids looking up to me in my area and my younger guys in my high school that are looking up to me to provide the way because they don't have the exposure and they don't have the things that I had. So I think for me, it was just like, hey, you know, older guys did this for me when I was a kid. And 
looked up to me and I looked up to them and they helped me and put me on and gave me free game. So now it's my turn to do the same and give it back. I like that. So if um if you had any advice to give a recruit right now that's considering the HBCU, what advice would you give that young player? Well, the first thing I would say is don't make anybody else's path your path. Like God has blessed you to be on this journey. This is a game. So treat it like a game. Don't treat it like it's life or death. Um, and if you're thinking about going to HBCU, just make sure you go to a school that fits you. Don't go to a school that's look good because of the gear or they got nice uniforms or they got a nice field and they got nice facilities. Go to a school that fits you that you could go and play right away because the object of this game is to play. Nobody comes to watch a guy that's on the bench. No matter how much potential you got, you can't show your tools if you're not on the field. So go somewhere where you can play and have fun and play your game and not anybody else's game that's trying to compartmentalize you and make you their player. But play your game and go somewhere where you can fit academically too as well. Don't go somewhere where it's just kind of like a lollygag in a classroom. I wanted to go somewhere where it was a challenge. So go somewhere where you can produce on and off the field. And also growing to a man, the coaches, make sure you go somewhere where um, they gonna treat you like family, but they also gonna make you grow up and mature into a man. Coach Kershaw, Coach Doolin, their coaches do a great job of even before I even stepped foot on campus, they've already shown me that hey, I'm gonna make this guy into a man before I make him into an MLB player. And that's what was most important for me because ball's gonna end one day, but I gotta produce for my family, and I gotta be a man outside of the field. So I would say right, those so, are the biggest components. All right. So what do you plan on majoring in? Um, I'm going to major in agricultural business. Um, if baseball doesn't work out to the highest level that I want to, I want to be able to, uh, like, landscape major league fields or, like, re-turf. Okay. I know a lot of people are going into the turf thing with their fields now. That's a big business, so it's a lot of money there. So I want to be able to put turf on baseball fields or build a um, – I also want to start, like, a, a baseball team, company, travel team, and build my own uh, indoor cage and run that as well because that's a lot of business. Uh, man, you, you man, you you pretty sharp there, man. At at that age, I didn't have, I didn't have it figured out at nearly as much as you. Uh, I just knew I was going to Jack State to play baseball, man. That's real, <laughs> man. You you mature well beyond your your years, man. From this conversation, Thank you. Thank you. so man, so what do you look forward to outside of the baseball, as far as being a, a Jaguar down there? What other experiences? Um, what do you expect out of your college experience? I think for me, it's just a new culture. Um, I've grown up in Atlanta. I have family that's in Jackson, but I've never really been outside uh, the Mississippi River. So I think for me, it's okay. just a culture, not shock, but a difference. That's like, hey, you know, it's other people in the world that it's not from Atlanta and not going to hit that D-back. And, you know, so it's, for me, it's just a new culture. Um New people, meet a lot of new people, you know, like, you know, grow myself. Because when you meet new people, you're growing yourself, you learn yourself, learn myself away from my family. You know, I've been up under my parents for 17 years now. So it's time for me to step out as a man and learn some new things on my own. So I think those are the biggest thing I'm excited for outside the field. All right. All right. So if it was anything you could change about your high school experience, what would it be? nothing at all i feel like everything contributed to where i'm at at this point um i might be behind or ahead of some people but i feel like my path is my path so late here lately i've been focusing on 
um, just worrying about myself and worrying about what I could do to be a better person every day and just focusing on taking the small wins. You know, everything's not going to be perfect. Of course, nobody's perfect, but just focusing on taking the small wins and learning from the losses. So just nothing. I wouldn't change anything because it helped me turn to where I am today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, you sharp, bro. I ain't going to lie to you. You sharp. Like I said, I was nearly as mature as you were at that age. Man, I can see some great yeah. things for you in the future. Thanks. So um we we've kind of gone through the questions I had. Um, but the something that I'm really interested in, um, I know you said both of your parents are Jackson State graduates and you're gonna be a Jaguar. When you play Jackson State, will it be any kind of extra pressure you put on yourself or is it just another game? Um how do I say this? I'm going to just put it like this. As a kid growing up, I really wanted to be a Tiger, and it didn't really fall through. So okay, for me, uh, it's nothing against Justin State or anything. I still got love for the coaching staff over there and everything. But for me, uh, nobody's more personal to me. You know, I just want to handle my business and go out there and play my game, of course. Um, but for me, I think it's just everybody is on the hit list for me because – this is my freshman year, so it's something to prove every game against everybody. I'm trying to stay on the field and be on the field consistently and just help my team win and make history at Southern. Man, all right. So I saw you hit 493 this year and had 30 stolen bases. Man, that's that's incredible, um, especially yeah. 6A baseball in the state of Georgia. Yeah. Um, what type of routine did you have or how, how did you mentally stay – that sharp throughout the year to be able to hit almost 500 um well it started it started preseason um i went to hit out i went to hit every day before school well not before school but during school i have uh some free periods and we have dbat which is about 15 minutes away from the school so i used to go hit with my best friends tamara rj every day during lunch um with their brother uh Terville and Tervant. And they really helped my swing because from freshman year to senior year, I did a swing progression thing, and I had a bad habit of coming out of my legs. If that makes any sense? Um, yeah, it just helped me get stronger um, in the weight room. So for me, the routine was in the morning, I have a weight room downstairs in my house. So I hit the weight room really hard, 200 push-ups a day. And then I would go to school. Um, I didn't have class until like 1130. So at 10 o'clock, we have a little mini cage inside of school. I will take about 200 swings off the tee. Uh, just a bunch of drills. Um, um, and then from there, I would work off the hitting machine or somebody would soft talk to me. But other than that, I think it was just like outworking everybody when it turns of like after practice, I'm going to hit some more or I'm taking more ground balls or something like that. But for me, it was just like a lot of people feel like the game has to be hard. They make it too hard, but you just got to keep it simple. So for me, it was just see ball, hit ball, hit the ball out front and try and stay on the inside part of the ball. And hit the ball the other way because anybody can pull the ball. You how about the wound being able to pull the ball? So for me, it was just like once I accepted that, hey, a double the other way is the same thing as a double to the pool side. That's when I start hearing for more average. Um, but I've always been a high average hitter. Um, but this year I showed a little bit more power, which is I'm proud of myself because I work hard in the weight room and I got a little faster as well. Um, my stolen bases jumped from about like 20 to 25 to 30. So yeah, and I saw y'all had some y'all had some team speed on that team, man. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Y'all, y'all did. Um, so 
see they have you listed as a utility player uh, for your position. What did, what is your primary position going to be in college? Uh, I'll probably play shortstop or second, but I might end up pitching as well. Okay, pitching. Yeah. Oh, ain't no you. Okay, ain't no you get on the bump too. Yeah, I uh, I was the game three starter this year. Um, so most of the time when we had tiebreaker or anything like that, uh, was pitching. Okay. All right. So what what's your repertoire looking like? Or you don't want to get that away? Well, I mean it's it's pretty simple. Four seam, two seam fastball, change up and a curveball, kind of curveball cutter thing, kind of. It's like a slur almost. Um, gotcha. But I get up there. I'm not really trying to get all fancy, and I'm trying to compete, get my team outs and wins. I might not throw the hardest, but I'm just trying to get up there and you know just mix it up, throw strikes, help my team win. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So if you had to take a pick between a walk off home run or a game saving defensive play, you still win the game. Yeah. Which one would you rather have? Game save defense play, for sure. Um, I feel like for me, I don't know, because I've had that game save defensive play, so I know how that feels like, and it's like it's the best feeling in the world, because it's like the game is in your hands. You seeing the ball come off the bat, it's like slow motion. The ball coming towards you, it's on you to make the play. But at the same time, I ain't never really hit no home run, so I probably I might have to go with the walk off home run because. Walk off home run, you everybody waiting on you at home plate, you toss the helmet off, you do whatever you want to do, bat flip, whatever. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and walk off home run. All right, you had to pick a glove, mm-hmm. the pro preferred or a two thousand or any brand. I'm gonna go team Rushi for NIL purposes. <laughs> okay, all right. So that'd be their bats too. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right. What about cleats? What what's your favorite? All right. So you play you I know you said earlier about the turf thing. Let me yeah. jump back into something you said about turf. Um, I know you mentioned that you wanted to get in business with the turf, with mm-hmm. being able to put the turf in. Do you like playing on that stuff? Well, this is where I'm at. Um I feel like it's different types of turf. You know, some people go cheap on the turf and it's like more grabby, which is where you get your ACL tears and stuff like that. But I feel like like the late point turf, I love playing on that because it's never too hot or cold. Um, but at the same time, grass it's nothing like a grass field. It's nothing like an original right. field. Smell of the grass, fresh cut, dirt done. I mean, I like it, but I always love playing on a regular field. That's what I like. Yeah, I love that grass too, man. Ain't nothing like yeah. the smell of some fresh cut grass, especially yeah. when, you stri- when you done striped it up in yeah. the field. yeah. Don't nothing look better than that, man. Right. Nothing. Nothing at all. So you spoke highly of the Southern culture. How many How many of those former players or coaches have you had the opportunity to meet outside of um, Jarrell and Ricky? Um, and how much has that relationship with them played until you want to be a Jaguar? I would say – I would say all those teams that – where like went through that three year run where they wanted to swag every year, um, from like nineteen ninety eight until I would say all those teams I know at least like five players on each team. So it's like a lot of those guys like once I started once I committed to Southern uh, April of my junior year it was like a lot of people I didn't even know was like hey you take care of like don't even worry about it and that's what made me feel like okay this is where I need to be because it was like family. So I say like a lot of I say a lot of people I know are <laughs> in the southern. Um, 
Southern and Jackson State is like almost like uncle and auntie to me. So a lot of people I know in the Southern. That's what's up, man. So this is the last question for you. Mm-hmm. Rank Fernando Tatis. Okay. Ronald Acuna. Okay. Mike Trout. Okay. Aaron Judge. All right. So I'm going to go Mike Trout one because okay. of the longevity he showed and how he's always consistently performed, no matter how good or bad his team is, which shows that he's an actual dog. So I'm going to go Mike Trout one. I'm going to go Ronald Acuna two. His his juice and energy he brings to the game is like no other. Like you go to a Braves game, you see Acuna in the game, it's a whole different vibe than when Acuna not playing. So if Acuna has a full season where he's healthy every single game, and when he has, you know, they've won. So I said Acuna too, just because of the juice he brings to the game, not even talking about his tools. His tools are amazing. Plus, plus power, plus, plus speed, plus, plus arm. But he hurt right now. But I mean, yeah, Acuna is two. Um, three. You said Tatis, Judge. Who else? Tatis. Out of Tatis and Judge. I'm gonna go three Judge because um, like the numbers he put up this year is crazy. Um, and right. he lead the league in homers. His average is high. He got a lot of. He strikes out a lot. But that's what happens when you're big and strong. Uh, I'm gonna go three Aaron Judge and then Tatis four. I'm gonna say four because I ain't really seen Tatis this year, so like I can't yeah, like, I can remember what he did. Year. I like I can remember the play like the plays he makes is like wow like this guy might be the best player of all time. But then it's like I don't know. But his hitting his hitting is amazing. He hit for contact, hit the ball the other way, hit the ball pull side. So I will say Tatis four, but it might change if Tatis get healthy and play. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, AJ, I mean, I, I didn't call you AJ. Well, KJ, man, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, like I said earlier, I didn't want to take up a lot of your time. Just wanted to get the people to, to see the new faces, as we call it, the official visit. This is our series that we're going to have over the summer with the incoming guys that are coming into HBCU baseball. And you happen to be the, the first the first of this series. Um, yes, I thank you. I appreciate you for this. And definitely I'll be reaching out to you in the future. Um, yes, possibly to probably get like a little background on how your experience going at Southern down the road with some other ideas that I have for the show. But man, I definitely thank you. Um, I appreciate you for not only coming on the show, but man, for also being the torchbearer, man, for, for HBCU baseball in this new generation, man. Um, it's a lot of guys that I think I speak for from a lot of different generations that say, hey, man, we, 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 we good baseball players, man. We just don't get that exposure. Right. And we want y'all to always take it to the next level and get that exposure and that success that we didn't get, you know. So, man, right. anything with, I can do for you, social, man, let social me know. media now, you want to you, you want to click away from going viral, change your life. You're right. And, you know, as much exposure as I can get for HBCU baseball, man, and also for you young men, it's bigger than baseball. So if there's yeah. anything I can do for any of you all outside of baseball, man, I'm I'm willing to help you all, man. So thank you again for coming on. Um, much success to you down at Southern on the Bluff. Like I said, yes, I'm I'm cheering for you every game except for <laughs> when you, except when you play the Titans. You know what I'm saying? 
I got you. you. Know what I'm saying. So much yeah. success to you, man. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Yes, sir. And, man, much love, much luck in the future. And if Thank there's you. anything you want to say to anybody out there, man, this is your time. All right. First thing I want to say, shout out Spark Gang. Uh, y'all go shot locked in. This is me and my partner, Brand. We got uh, everything from summer gear, shorts, hoodies, shirts, anything you need, we got for you. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to just leave y'all with this. Everybody stay blessed, y'all. Thank y'all for having me on. Appreciate you. And um, text me the, the, the website so I can put it in the description of the video. I got you. And uh, everybody go follow me on Instagram at DKJ White on Instagram. All right. Everybody here, Mr. Mr. Number One, KJ White, y'all. Westlake High School and future Southern Jaguar. Yes, sir. So the official visit is over. Appreciate you, KJ. No problem. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome.